The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I am the I am the senior assistant minister and executive minister at Christ Universal Temple in the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois. The Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister of Christ Universal Temple, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of a series called the Prosperi- Prosperity's Ten Commandments. I've taken a few weeks off, so hopefully. Um, you know, we can get back in the groove and you can get back to your studies. This series is based upon the book Prosperity's Ten Commandments that is considered a unity classic by Georgiana Tree West. Georgiana Tree West. My request is that as you go along with this series that you get the book. You can order it on uh, unity.org in their store, uh, part of their website. I'm sure it's available on Amazon.com. It's a book you definitely want in your library if you're a metaphysical thinker. So just recognize that there are opportunities right here and right now for you to work with this stuff and get real present to what's possible in your life as it pertains to prosperity. All right, back to the book. Page 77. Let's get right to it. You shall not take your wealth out of circulation. Sixth commandment. You shall not take your wealth out of circulation. This is an adaption of the scripture from Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, which is you shall not kill. You shall not kill. So as we go forward with this, again, remember that this series is based upon a prosperity interpretation, a metaphysical prosperity interpretation, uh, excuse me, of the Ten Commandments that were given by Moses to the people, given by God to Moses and then Moses to the people in the book of Exodus chapter 20. So I think it's really important for us to understand that, that this, these prosperity Ten Commandments are adaptions, but I think that they are true to the essence of what the Ten Commandments were saying in a prosperity context. All right. So 
this chapter starts off by saying on page 77, every commandment that is of God voices an essential truth. So one of the things that the Prosperity Ten Commandments seeks to do is teach a principle in the midst of adapting these Ten Commandments, to teach a principle that can be utilized. Now, a principle is just to simplify it and give it the easiest and best answer I could give is a principle describes how something works. A principle describes how something works. So if you look at the concept of principle, one of the, the insights that it'll give you is principle just explains how anyone, anywhere, if they apply the principle correctly, can get desired results. Principles allow for consistency. Principles, principles allow the universe to function in divine order. All right. Water, water freezes at a temperature. Water freezes, boils at a temperature. It freezes at a temperature. It's just the way it works, et cetera, et cetera. Now, moving on. On that same page, down a little bit further, it says, since the commandment of God never ceases to be an essential truth to be obeyed constantly by everyone, we must look to the idea incorporated in the word kill for enlightenment. To kill is to destroy. A slanderous word can kill a reputation. Many a peaceful home situation has been broken up through destructive words, words that kill confidence and destroy happiness. We often kill our own ideals through destructive thoughts of fear or doubt or through letting influences of our lower nature gain ascendancy. So let's just stop there for a moment. What she is saying is instead of looking at kill from only the context of the, the ending of a sentient being's life, in other words, whether it's a human being or an animal or or whatever kill can mean the destruction of anything so the type of thoughts feelings beliefs and habits we have can literally kill our prosperity kill our abundance kill our peace of mind kill our health kill our relationships kill our work performance kill our results so we want to make sure that we are addressing the thoughts that are hap going on in our minds because as within, so without. Thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. Consciousness produces form. All causation is mental. You can go on and on and on. It, don't, it doesn't matter which way you say it or which way you teach it. It's still the same. If we want a radically different life, we have to have radically different thoughts. Point blank. And those radical, radically different thoughts will turn into radically different beliefs and realizations and feelings, etc., etc. Radically different words and radically different actions and rad radically different paradigm. But thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. Back to the book. Then the author goes on to say, 
All that is evil is allied with death and destruction. Evil thoughts and words are killers, and those who exercise them are disobeying, disobeying the sixth commandment. Huh. So my harmful words kill joy, peace, and love, not just for others, but for myself. Because if I'm the conduit through which these words are coming through, that means that I have to have the effect of them myself. In other words, what I think about you really does matter. What I think about you matters because it's happening in my mind. It's happening in my soul. It's being incorporated by my subconsciousness. So the thought that I have about you affects me. The thought I have about you affects my consciousness. The thought that I have about you affects my peace of mind. The thought I have about you. You know, I was telling my class last night uh, about a statement that Reverend Coleman used to say, Reverend Johnny Coleman, the founder of Christ Universal Temple and the Universal Foundation for Better Living and the Johnny Coleman Institute. Anyway. She used to say, never give to a person's poverty, only give to their abundance. And the statement sounds elitist until you understand the metaphysics. You can take the same outer action. So, for instance, if I was saying to Bill, if Bill came to me and said, hey, I need to borrow $100. And if I decide to give that money to Bill... I'm not giving to Bill's lack. I'm giving towards his abundance. Because in that exchange, I'm just a steward for God's abundance. A vessel for God's abundance. abundance, A conduit for God's abundance. I don't have to be in a mindset of Bill is in lack. Bill doesn't have. Bill is poor because the thoughts that because if I'm thinking poverty thoughts about Bill, thoughts of lack about Bill, poverty thoughts about Bill, then what's actually happening is those poverty thoughts are are becoming implanted in my consciousness. So I'm giving towards Bill's abundance and I'm being God's steward for God's abundance. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Bill. It all belongs to God. This is God's abundance. Now, the same outer action has happened. He asked me for $100. I gave him $100. Whatever agreement on giving it back or not giving it back is between the two of us. But my mindset is Bill is a prosperous child of God. There is no lack in God. Now, I know that is a radical premise, especially when you start looking at the facts of the world. But part of working with metaphysics and new thought is being illogical to facts. That doesn't mean that facts don't matter. They do matter. But you face facts with truth. You face facts with the realization of what is true about God, not what is factual about the temporary situation. So conditioning your mind for prosperity requires 
it to really be reconditioned for prosperity. So because when we've been conditioned to think a different kind of way, we have to recondition, first of all, of all by challenging and removing the old beliefs and then supplanting or replacing them with new ideas, new thoughts, new feelings, new beliefs about prosperity. There is no lack in God. There's no lack in my experience. There's always enough money, resources, people, places, and things to produce all that is needed and desired in my experience. I'm just saying that off the top of my head. That's nothing, that, you know, just that just popped up. Anyway, what's important to realize is how you think. It's important to realize how you think about a matter. Now, let's get back to the book. It says, there's still, page 78, there's still a more subtle idea connected with the word kill. Again, the idea of death is incorporated in it. Death is disintegration. Stagnation is the starting point of all disintegration. A lack of circulation is the cause of stagnation. We find then in this commandment an, an exhortation to keep our good in circulation. As we circulate the gifts of God, they increase in our lives in proportion to their increase of value in the lives of others. So in other words, we don't stagnate. We don't hoard or, you know, sort of like that movie, The, uh, the Scrooge. Well, I can't remember the name of the movie, but the Scrooge was the was the main character, and the Scrooge was exceptionally tight with money. Did not want it to circulate. Did not want to pay people fair wages. Did not want to in, even enjoy his own money. He just wanted it to want it. But it's supposed to circulate. That doesn't mean that you're random. That don't mean that you're irresponsible. But part of receiving is giving, and giving is receiving. And that giving and receiving keeps it in circulation. This is one of the reasons why I teach uh, tithing and donating and to places where you are receiving your spiritual good or who you receive your spiritual good from consistently. Because I believe that that's a part of understanding that you're giving and receiving. Back to the book. On page 79, it says, it is a great truth that love begets love. We have to only start practicing the circulation of loving thoughts, words, and actions to prove this. To prove it. That love begets love. Because why? Because anything begets its own self. Hate begets hate. Joy begets joy. Boredom begets boredom. Peace begets peace. Thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. That's all. So, it goes on to say, yet again, you shall not take your wealth out of circulation. You shall not take your wealth out of circulation. Now, this reminds me of Reverend Ike, who was one of the most famous 
metaphysical new thought teachers. And he taught a lot about prosperity and money. And he, you know, depending on who you ask, either has a great pristine reputation. And some people didn't like him because he emphasized prosperity and money so much. I love the guy. Absolutely love him. You know, had an opportunity to meet him several times because of this ministry, even sit down and have dinner with him. And um, he he was, I can't speak highly enough of Reverend Ike. He, and Reverend Ike taught one, a few basic things, but one of the main things he taught about money was circulation and even how you circulate it. So he would say, never use the word spend use the word circulate every time you want to use the word spend say circulate instead because circulate come goes out and comes back to the point of origin spend means, means to get rid of spending so from his standpoint when you spend money you don't get it back when you circulate money you always get it back and then some now you might say, well, that's just a mental trick that he's saying. But just think about the conditioning that you're always believing that as you give something, it's supposed to come back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So as you circulate through paying your responsibilities, instead of spending money on your gas bill, or water bill, or electric bill, or your mortgage, or your rent, or your car note, or whatever, you're circulating. That that flow is happening. Right then and right there. You're not saying the word spend to get rid of. You're saying that this is a part of the universal circulation. Uh, every every blue moon, I, I use banking apps because that's just easy. But every blue moon, I'll call the bank to take care of something. And when the people act, you know, they have to give me their script. You know, you can use the app and you can use the website. That's all I know. I already have the app. I just call every once in a while, and it's and sometimes some person will just ask me why, and I'll tell them. So you know, you can you can maintain your job if nobody calls. There's no reason for you to have this job, and and a person will say thank you because it throws them off. Now, you know, I might make one call to every 100 times I use the app. I used to be more before the app came out, uh, a lot more, but. The point that I'm trying to make is that even in the midst of that action, I'm trying to circulate the good. Okay, how can I circulate? And I just, as I give, it's blessing others. As I give, it's blessing others. As I give, it's blessing others. Again, you shall not take your wealth out of circulation. This is why I believe that people who who plan how their money will be circulated or utilized prosper more. People who are mindful about their investments, about their savings, about their retirement, and they're, they're systematic, they have a plan, and they're using their money to circulate to create more wealth. You know, sort of like when President Obama was running for president uh, nine, ten years ago, and he was talking about the health care plans, whether whatever you agree with it or not, it has nothing to do with my story. But it was a gentleman that asked him about uh, his health care plan, and he 
started to explain it. So uh, then Senator Obama said, well, what's your health care plan? He says, he says, well, I don't have one. I pray. And Obama said, prayer is great, but it's not a plan. It's not a plan. Okay, your prayer should lead you to a plan. Now, if you need prayer for healing, obviously the healing is possible and present if you can get the sufficient realization. But that doesn't mean you don't get a plan to be able to take care of the things you need to take care of so you don't have to think about those things and don't have to think about what happens if there's an emergency situation. Don't take your wealth out of circulation. Be intentional about your money. You know, because one of the things that, uh, in New Thought that they'll say is don't save money for a rainy day. Now, I get the concept of rainy day from the standpoint don't don't prepare for that something is going to go wrong. But let's just change the language because, again, the outer action can be the same and the intention can be can be different. Now, I don't think that's not me personally. I don't have this concept of a rainy day being a bad thing. Only thing I'm saying is there to me, that just means there are unexpected things that sometimes you can't anticipate. To me, rainy day does not define bad, but that's just my definition. I'm just going along with how. Some people in my tradition have taught it. I teach that differently. I believe that there are always going to be things that you don't anticipate, and it's better to be prepared. That's just my belief, and I'll leave that there. But when, if you have to change the language from rainy day to something else, how about opportunity fund? All right. That situation shows up that you didn't anticipate and you couldn't expect. Now you have an opportunity fund to handle it. Besides having your, your, you know, your your investments together, your savings together, you've gotten yourself out of debt and all of those other type of things. Um, you're circulating, and you have an opportunity fund to handle potential uh, unexpected experiences. You know, you might be in a situation where someone makes their transition and they don't have insurance, life insurance or burial insurance or anything and you have to pay it and you don't know where the money's coming from. I know what that looks like. I've experienced it. I love other loved ones of mine who just experienced it. Like literally just experienced it. Like, okay, this has happened. Now what? I, I I see it uh, in ministry all the time. How are we going to handle this? We didn't know the person didn't have insurance. We didn't know they didn't have this. We don't know if they have anything. Scurrying through material after the person has made their transition to find out if they have any type of life insurance policy because of the amount of money it takes to bury a person these days. Have a funeral, to have a burial, etc. Opportunity fund. Okay, you know, something pops up that allows you to be able to uh, take advantage of something, an investment, vacation or experience that you can do it. Keep your funds in circulation. And if it's something you want to support, to donate to, to give, to help, you can do that as well. So what I'm saying is the more intentional you are about your finances, your wealth, the better your financial situation and experience will be.
The real question is, how intentional are you about your money? Whether you're thinking about it as a metaphysical, uh, as metaphysical substance, or 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 hard cash. What I will say is this: in the context of circulating your money, be real careful not to burn both can burn the candle on both ends, which is a metaphor of uh, you know. Let me use a different metaphor. I want to use that one now. Let be mindful of, as some would say, you know, spending every dime and dollar and living on the margins. In other words, say for instance, you you make a certain amount of money and you're you know you're you're making maintaining, but you can't invest, you can't save. If any hiccups happen, it, it upsets your financial life and well-being, creates stress, drama in your family, possibly in your marriage, or something can't get paid. All type of crazy stuff can happen. And then you get a raise, then you get more income. But instead of using that to create divine order in, in your life, you then just create more bills, more expenses, get more stuff. Oh, I can pay for that now. Well, I can get that now. And then you get right back to every dollar you make is, is automatically going just to handle your responsibilities. You know, so I, you know, so I remember when I first came to Christ Universal Temple uh, at the then, at the time, COO, uh, Reverend Dr. Joe Hill used to say, Live off of 70%, tithe 10, save 10, invest 10. And people were like, oh, my God, how is that possible? He's like, you got to discipline yourself if you ever want to be free. Live off of 70, tithe 10, save 10, invest 10. Now, you ain't got to, you know, you know, you ain't got to do that exactly the same way. But listen to the discipline of save, set, live off of the 70 tithe 10 first and save invest so no matter what happens your money's in circulation and you're also building security for yourself again if you gain more income and you have the same behavior you'll still be broke you'll still be broke this is why People can make a lot of money and stay broke because the moment they get it, it's almost burning their wallet or purse to get out because they got to spend it. This is practical spirituality that I'm talking about right now. It looks like it's time for our first break. So, you know, we're going to take this. Not first break. I keep thinking about the old format. We're going to take our break. So when we get back, we will get to it with this Truth Transforms to help you get your breakthroughs before the Thanksgiving holiday. God bless. I'll be back in shortly. Experience the difference. 
Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts on living an abundant life. Examine your life. Whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had, realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get in through our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Have you ever performed a random act of kindness? In a beautiful new book, Called Write It On Your Heart, Unity employees make suggestions for random acts they've tried or received themselves. The book includes 40 ways to express kindness or compassion and has room to journal about your experiences. It's the perfect gift, and you'll want one for yourself, too. Look for Write It On Your Heart at unity.org shop. Experience wellness through the ancient art of sound healing with Terry Wilder. Terry is a professional gong master, singer, and performer who uses sound to activate our body's ability to heal at a cellular level. Listening to Terry's mystical gong meditations will enable you to relax and release emotions, fears, and anxieties that have been causing illnesses or blockages in your body. No previous meditation experience is required. Just relax and let the gong do the rest. Visit terrywilder.com to find out more. Do you dread going to work every day and just pray for Friday? Get a fresh perspective on your career with Mo Fall and bring your soul to work every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern, here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. A leadership mentor and career coach, Mo can help you go from underpaid, unsatisfied, and unappreciated to loving your life and career again. Join the show and let Mo guide you to make some real-life changes. Tune in every Thursday here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Uh, I want to make sure that if you want to call in, you can. You can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. Also want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, 
my request is that you go to unityonlineradio.org or unity.fm. They'll take you to the same place and click on the donate button and help support this online ministry so we can continue broadcasting this good stuff around the world. You know, as hosts, th- these shows aren't, we're not paid to be hosts. I mean, there's no other way for me to say that. Uh, we all give because this is a part of what we want to do to give to the world. This is our give back, part of our give back. So nobody that's uh, a host on any of these shows will or has ever gotten a check for doing these podcasts. But we have producers, we have electric bills, we have you know the heat that has to be on in buildings. We again, we have staff. That has to take care of the background stuff. So again, if this is worth worth it to you to listen to and get blessings and benefit from, then go to UnityOnlineRadio.org uh, or Unity.fm and click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. You are making the difference in making sure that somebody who might not have access to a New Thought Center or church uh, can have these life-transforming teachings for themselves. It makes a difference. We are the church for some people. They don't have access to what we do in their country, in their town, on their continent. Let's be mindful. Uh, A couple of other quick things. This show has a Facebook page, and you can go to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, that you write a write a positive review and give it a five-star rating. It helps with the algorithms. We're also on iTunes Podcast and the Stitcher app for Androids, Android Radio, I mean Android devices. I'm not an Android person, so you know, I guess why I'm flubbing the Android part. But anyway, my request yet again is if you listen to this show on iTunes podcast or on Stitcher radio app for Androids that you give it a five-star rating and you give it a positive review. It helps with the algorithms and putting it in front of people to listen to. So I think that's really important. Okay. Do what needs to be done so we can make sure that we can spread this truth. You are the apostles of Unity Online Radio. You are the people who will help spread the good news. All right. Let's get back to it. So I was talking about how we work with this idea of circulation. Now, the author talks about the parable of the talents, which is found in Matthew chapter 25. You can read that on your own about how one was given five, the, the master gave one servant five, uh, one servant two, and another servant one talent, which was a coin, money. And he went away when he came back to one who had five, doubled his to ten, the one who had two doubled his to four, and the one who had one buried his and didn't do anything with it. And then he was the one that was punished. Now, again, this is just a parable. It's not a literal story. The teach about circulation. 
What are you doing with your blessings? What are you doing with your wealth? What are you doing with your talents? What are you doing with your gifts? You have to put them in circulation. The author says that this one on page 79, the idea is that we are expected to make good use of what we have demonstrated at any given point in our development. That is, keep it in keep it in circulation. We all have our own particular abilities. We have developed our own God power in different ways and to different degrees. Each person is expected to use his or her present abilities in such a way as to increase them and in doing so, develop greater abilities or gifts. Greater abilities or gifts. So again, what are you doing to keep your God-given abilities in circulation. And when it comes to money, just don't let it sit. You know, one of the things that used to happen, and I'm sure it still happens, is there are people who don't believe in uh, banks and, and putting your money in safely in investments. I remember it was this movie where they were struggling for something, money, the family, and they had an uncle who had some mental challenges from being older and they discovered that, you know, in the back of the TV or something like that was like a couple of hundred thousand dollars. He just never put it in, in the bank and, or people who put all their money in their mattress or hiding it in their house in a, in an unsecure way, not in a safe that can survive a fire or things of that nature. But the main thing is people try to sit on their money instead of having it circulating. And it, and you know, it doesn't necessarily work in a way that matters. So if a person, you know, starts investing at age 18 or 19, a certain amount of money, they can guarantee themselves that by the time they're 60, they're a multimillionaire just through the investment of a certain amount of money because because the compound interest over time will do what it's supposed to do. Again, don't take your money out of circulation. What are you doing with it? Back to the book. Page 80. It is evident that Jesus intended this teaching to be applied not only to the developing of our spiritual gifts, but also to the handling of our material wealth. All right. Going down several lines, it says one of these teachings has to do with prosperity. It reveals that circulation is the secret of increase. If we are to prosper, there must be circulation not only of rich ideas and mind, but also of the wealth that is the manifestation of these ideas. So again, talking about circulation, if we're getting money-making ideas and we're not doing anything with them, we're, we're stagnating money-making ideas. We're killing our wealth. God gives us an idea. We don't do anything with it. We're killing our prosperity. And I know that's a, a, a tough way of looking at it, but that's real talk. We kill our good through our own belief systems. Through our own belief systems. 
All right, back to the book. It goes on to say, fear and condemnation are allied with stagnation and death. Fear kills faith and prevents the divine ideas of God's almighty power and infinite goodwill from circulating freely in mind and affairs. So let's just stop here for a moment. So if if I'm in my if I'm fearful, I'm preventing faith from functioning properly. That's one, which is dramatic, because if it was one spiritual faculty that Jesus taught more than any other, it was faith. Jesus talked about faith more than love. When people talked about healing and things of that nature, he didn't say, um, your love has made you whole. He didn't say, your imagination has made you whole. He didn't say, your wisdom has made you whole. He didn't say, your divine order has made you whole. I'm not saying those things can't make you whole. I'm just talking about what Jesus taught. He said, your faith has made you whole. According to your faith, be it done unto you. Your faith. So if fear prevents your faith from functioning properly, that is a catastrophic problem. Because your faith is your breakthrough power. And faith doesn't allow the free circulation of God's prospering ideas and God's guidance to function in your life. And then the author goes on to say on page 81, condemnation kills praise and appreciation. When we criticize and condemn our circumstances, we have no appreciation of God's presence with us as our unfailing source of all good. There can be no circulation of God's good where there is no praise of God's presence. Oh, that's great. Let me read that last sentence one more time. There can be no circulation of God's good where there is no praise of God's presence. Mm. Condemnation kills praise and appreciation. So I'm condemning and angry and mad about what's happening now condemning my current experiences, I'm not praising, I'm not lifting up, I'm not acknowledging the presence of God, the presence of good that is present with me all the time because we say God is omnipresent. So if God is omnipresent, God is here with me now. There's just as much God here with me now as there ever will be and for anyone else who has ever existed. It is just as much God here as there is in any place in the universe right now. You don't need more God. I don't need more God. We don't need more God. What we need is a higher recognition and realization of God where we are. Because if we did, we can, like Moses, recognize that we need to take off our shoes, which metaphysically means that we need to remove that which is interfering between our understanding of God and the our understanding that where we stand is sacred ground. What beliefs are like shoes covering up your feet? 
so you don't realize that what you're standing on is sacred ground. So whether you're listening to this at work right now or while you're driving or while you're jogging or while, while you're preparing in the morning or taking a bath at night or while you're studying, right where you are is the allness and fullness of God. All the health, all the peace, all the abundance, all the joy, all the love, all the wisdom, all the understanding of God is present right where you are right now. God in all of its fullness is right with you right now. That's a moment after this broadcast is over. Just take a moment, take a deep breath and just recognize and say to yourself softly, I am in the allness and fullness of God. And just say it to yourself several times as a mantra and just breathe. Say it a few times and breathe. Say it a few times and breathe. Say it a few times and breathe. I am in the allness and fullness of God right now. I'm in the allness and fullness of God right now. Breathe. I'm in the allness and fullness of God right now. Breathe. Because if you make this a habit, before you get out of the bed, catch yourself. I'm in the allness and fullness of God. Just take one or two minutes to just do it. <sighs> While you're in the middle of your day and you're running, you're at work or you're dealing with kids and you whatever, even if you got to go to the bathroom, and just stand there and just take a moment. Breathe. Close your eyes. I'm in the allness and fullness of God right now. I am in the allness and fullness of God right now. I am in the allness and fullness of God right now. And just breathe. Two minutes before you go to bed. I'm in the allness and fullness of God right now. I'm in the allness and fullness of God right now i am in the allness and fullness of god right now what are you doing you're reconditioning your mind you're reconditioning to acknowledge the presence of god where you are what that'll help you do is be in the circulation of god's good what does that mean that now once you become aware of it, you can be a vessel of it. You can be a conduit of it to show up in a higher way. This is why Reverend Coleman used to always tell us that all healing begins in the mind of the practitioner. All healing. So, if, in other words, if someone is coming to me saying they need healing and they want some, me to pray with them, the first thing I need to recognize is that the healing first happens in my mind. The healing happens in my mind. I have to get to the point to where I recognize, and hear me when I say this, there is nothing to be healed, only God to be revealed. There is nothing to be healed, only God to be revealed. There is nothing to be healed, only God to be revealed. This affirmation was drilled in my brain in my early days at CUT. 
as Johnny Coleman used to say from the platform over and over again. There's nothing to be healed, only God to be revealed. It's working with it. And as you develop and allow these ideas to take root in your soul, eventually you will produce a harvest. Now, the speed of your harvest is is based upon your level of acceptance of its truth. That's why there can be instantaneous healings. It can be healings over time. Uh, and then there's sometimes where people don't and can't accept, won't or can't accept the power that goes along with the acceptance of God as truth in your experience or in their experience. Back to the book. Page 81, uh, it says... When the pocketbook is empty and the bank account limited, there should be no condemnation of either. They should be blessed with divine persistency. I love that. They should be blessed with divine persistency. Webster's Dictionary says to bless is to praise, glorify, endow, favor, to confer prosperity or happiness upon. You glorify your pocketbook or bank account when you praise or give thanks for the everywhere present spiritual substance that you know feel, fills it to overflowing and takes the form of funds desired according to your, here it goes again, faith. According to your faith. I'm going to read that statement again. You glorify your pocketbook or bank account when you praise or give thanks for the everywhere present spiritual substance that you know feels it to overflowing and takes the form of the funds desired according to your faith. Mm. So she says it the best way possible at the end of that paragraph. By blessing instead of condemning, you truly confer prosperity upon your circumstances. Prosperity upon the circumstances. So speak prosperity to your life. Speak wholeness to your life. That's circulating your good. Back to the book. It says, page 81, praise and faith are allied with circulation in life. Through praise and faith, we keep our consciousness alive to God's presence and so keep God's good circulating in our lives. Wealth that is the result of faith in God's never-failing bounty and infinite goodwill can never hurt or harm. The possessors of such wealth love the source from which it comes, God, and not the wealth itself. Now, what I will say about that is this, because I think sometimes this is when uh, people get so spiritual that sometimes they make it seem like it's not, it's not okay to love the, what you've produced. Um, I'm a big believer that love is a magnet, that it draws that which you love to itself. I don't think there's anything wrong with loving wealth in the context of, of divine order, wisdom, and understanding and following the golden rule, doing to others as you will want others to do to you. But, but I love having the money to be able to do what I want to do. I love the, having the money to be able to bless my family and do things with them or support them when I can. I love to have the money to go where I want to go, when I want to go, with and do things with who I want to do things with without having to worry about 
how that's going to affect my bottom line. So I'm I'm just unapologetic about it. I'm not saying you have to take my position, but I think at times we just we just think that this is the spiritual answer to give. Now, the key is this: as Reverend Ike would say, "I master money; money doesn't master me." People who will do anything for money, they don't love money; they're slaves to money. They're literally slaves. They'll do anything, violate any ethic, violate their morals, harm people, kill people, whatever, just to get another dollar. That's unethical. That's greed. That's selfishness. What I'm saying is I love the ability to have what I want to have when I want to have it. I love the ability to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it with who I want to do it with as long as I want to do it. I can't speak for anybody else. I can only speak for me. That's authentic for me. And many times, you know, We'll we'll dismiss money while we work really hard to get it because money is a means of exchange. You can't eat money. You can't drive money. You can't wear money. Money is a means of exchange for you to get the things that you desire or to handle your responsibilities. Therefore, Having the means of exchange to be able to handle your business makes sense. Why are you working? I remember when I was a kid and one of my friend's parents, uh, very strong, strict, fundamentalist family, uh, my buddy's mom and auntie were all on me because I was asking questions about religion and money because it didn't make sense to me that the, that they had the positions that they had. I'm like, well, if you, if you got to work, isn't it good to have a good job where you can make a lot of money? Well, money does not important. And love of money is the root of all evil. And, and money is this and money is that. I was like, well, if you got to have a, ni- a car, what's wrong with having a nice car? And actually what was hilarious was they were actually commenting on Reverend Coleman and Christ Universal Temple because they were the old building was down the street from where I lived as a kid. And I didn't know Reverend Coleman or CUT. I'm just hearing them talking. I'm saying, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, if you got to have a house, how come you can't have a nice house? If you got to pay bills, why not be able to pay bills and still have money to be able to have fun? And they were trying to convince me that money was wrong and money was evil and the desire of wanting money was evil. And I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. Why do people work? Now, I'm a kid. I don't have a job. I'm 14, 15 years old, and I'm trying not to be disrespectful, but I'm having an honest conversation and giving, asking honest questions and seeking honest feedback because it didn't make sense to me that ultra-religious people would denounce the very thing that is needed to take care of their responsibilities. So when I would see religious people stressed out about money, it didn't make sense to me. We, you know, if God is almighty, why are you broke? Because to me, blessed and highly favored includes money. 
Now again, I didn't. I was, you know, at the time I didn't realize I was going to be a minister or a, a, a metaphysical new thought teacher, teaching mental science, mind metaphysics, and universal principles. I was just a young man who thought things through, and when things didn't make sense to me, I said something about it. And that same young man lives in me now. So when stuff shows up that I don't agree with, I raise my hand and say, I don't know if that I agree with this. And this is why. That don't mean that I'm right and the person is wrong. But I'm going to think it through. I'm not going to just accept something on face value and neither should you. I don't care if I say it. So what if I say it? Who am I? Do I think I know my stuff? Yeah, I think I'm pretty tight. But I'm not I'm not your law. And I'm not your God. That's why we say in the UFBL, we believe that learning to listen to the whisperings of a still small voice will ensure that we're guided into right action. You have a God in you. You have an internal GPS or navigation that can guide you into what you should do and how you should do it based upon your level of understanding. You can't deal with something beyond your comprehension, even if God gave it to you. You're like, what the heck does this mean? I don't even know what it means. So God always meets you where you are. It says, come up higher. If you're willing to come up higher. And if not, God will meet you where you choose to stay. But that means you have you can only demonstrate where you are as well. So it looks like it's, I've run out of time. And I had so much more stuff to say. So next week, I'll cover the seventh chapter, which is you shall not abase your wealth to idle or evil uses. So God bless you and have a great holiday Thanksgiving weekend. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.